This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm going to be in France for eight days starting next week. So uh, no podcast next week and no podcast the week after that. Um, I'm actually officially on vacation myself and was going to say the same to you. So that works perfectly as far as our schedules. So ah, good nice timing. Good timing. Yeah, I'd hate to, exactly. I hate to require you to do a podcast from your vacation. Yeah, uh, I was considered one of them. One would have been tough, but one of the weeks I would have been around. But uh, doing some traveling myself, Las Vegas soon, and then um, and then a bachelor party in Austin. But uh, and, then, and then my wife's going to be traveling, so I'm going to have the kids the other the other week. So. Yeah. So that anyway, that so works out. But uh, what, why but, is it that you're going to the two hottest places uh, in the country for in, during summer vacations? Well, the the second one is a uh, bachelor party in which an uh, old high school friend of mine and I will be in his wedding. So um, some of the people I know, some of the people I don't. But that's that's that reason. That's been planned for months. I don't know why they chose the heat of July, heart of July, for that. But the other, you know, it's your, your rotowire uh, yearly trip that you're going right. to be missing. And Brad Evans is putting together a, a, a fantasy football auction. I mean, Al Zeidenfeld's uh, flying in. Uh, Jeff Erickson, you know, Rotowire people are going to be doing it. Um, it's like three former NFL players, uh, Orlando Franklin, Tank Williams. Um, yeah, it should, that, that's why I'm going to Las Vegas, just for two nights, right. quick trip, and purely for a fantasy football auction. Obviously going to miss you in Vegas uh, this, this year. But let's, let's come on, let's, let's start with Devontae Adams. Uh, I'm sure you're probably getting tired of talking about it. But, I mean, we have the podcast, so – you, you, you drafted in this, this, what, FSGA, it's called now, draft uh, in, in New York, and you had the 11th pick, and you took your boy, Devontae Adams, and, and then chaos ensued. I took Devontae Adams, and as you know, I've said in the past that I don't think Devontae Adams is an elite receiver, more like the 15th best receiver in the league, something around there. And so I felt like I should explain. I said, you know, he's a mediocre talent, but the guy's Aaron Rodgers, number one guy, led the NFL in red zone targets. I actually haven't projected for the most touchdowns this year of all the receivers. And actually, I have Juju Smith-Schuster ranked ahead of him on my rankings, but I thought I might get him on the way back, and I did. So it was kind of smart to do it that way, and I'm positive I wouldn't have got Adams on the way back. Well, not positive, but almost positive. When you draft your first round, they hand the mic to you at these events, and so you just, like, say a quip about your pick, and that was what came to mind. Like, you know, this is a guy that I'm not even high on in real life, but, you know, it's opportunity trumps talent and so xm you know they tweet out little clips and they tweeted out that one and i guess some packers beat writers were listening or following xm on twitter and it just blew up like they were like i have like pages and pages and pages of mentions of people being like you fucking idiot you know nothing and it kind of douchey like the pack you know the packers beat writers being like if someone says something this stupid, do you just discount everything? You know, just like, that's that like weasel, you know, just weasel tweets like that. Hold on. My, my favorite was more like brainless. 
Oh, I didn't even see that one. But <laughs> more like so, brainless. Yes, yes. Yeah, come on, you know. Uh, come on, you know. You want to play on with your daughter? Come on, someone played it on the other way because you're uh, what, what's you a uh, ruthless? You know, you want to name your daughter? Oh, brainless. This guy yeah. called. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Your, okay. your last name. I, yes. There's so okay. many that I didn't even. I don't even remember that yeah. one. That, that's how yeah. witty I yeah. thought it was. Anyway, <laughs> so it just went crazy because these Packers guys got it, and the whole thing was just kind of annoying because. It was good. In some ways, it was good because, like, Matt Toach is like, I love the engagement. You know, not that that matters either. It's not like XM going to, like, give me more money or something. But, like, it was considered a success, I guess, that clip. But right. but it was kind of like, okay, okay, okay. First off, like, people are just such fucking idiots on Twitter. Like, not, this is not, like, breaking news. I mean, the general public. I have, like, great, I follow, like, great people on Twitter. But, like, what's the context of the clip, right? And I get this all the time because I'll, like, talk shit about Eli Manning. And I'd be like, Eli's freaking terrible, man. He's the worst QB. And, and they'd be like, he's better at his job than you are at your job. Like, you're not even close to as good at your job as Eli is at his job. And, and I'll be thinking like, yeah, but you're making like a, a huge uh, context error. I'm not saying that the, the average man, it would be harder to be me than it would be Eli. It's clearly harder to, to be as good at Eli as Eli at his job than it is to be as good at me at, as me at my job because there's just such a huge... <laughs> a massive amount of people who could at least do my job to some extent. And I'm sure a lot of them could do it really well. But Eli, it's like, you know, there's 40 people in the world who could do Eli's job. But the thing is, I'm the context isn't that. It's saying for an NFL quarterback. That's the context. So does how is he for an NFL quarterback? He sucks. He's horrible. How is he for an average person playing NFL quarterback? He's amazing. You know, I mean, imagine going at random in the phone book and trying to find a person as good as Eli, as Eli at NFL quarterback, even present day Eli. Oh, it would be incredibly unlikely that you would that the guy you picked would be as good as Eli. And, and it's just like it's like, oh, you know, the Knicks suck. You know, they're a terrible franchise. What? You think your high school team could beat them? You think your high school team could beat the Knicks? How can you say they suck? They're great. They're better than all the college teams, all the high school teams, all the rec teams, any team you've ever played on. You know, it's just idiotic. Obviously, you mean in the context of being an NBA franchise, not that they suck like relative to the average, you know, five-man squad that plays pickup in your gym. So it's the same thing. It's like, what, what context was I saying Devontae Adams was mediocre in? Well, is the context of taking a guy 11th overall and my first pick and the second receiver off the board. I mean, who usually goes there? It's like Randy Moss, Odell Beckham. Peak Antonio Brown, Calvin Johnson, peak Andre Johnson, Julio Jones. Those are the kind of receivers that you would end up taking in the first round, typically, of a fantasy draft. And compared to those guys, yeah, he's, he's a mediocre talent. Those other guys are monsters. But he just happens to be in a great uh, position. So, like, that's the first thing. Like, the context gets completely stripped out of what you're saying. And so that, you know, that was like the, the first error. But there was a lot of st- stupid stuff that, that Do I... Do you think if you had worded it, worded it just not top five real-life talent, would that have produced something similar? Um, if I didn't use mediocre, I said, no, nah, he's not a top five right, talent. Right, Probably it would have been... I mean, not top five is, is pretty... Yeah, because that's like, I mean, if you, if you want to say Julio, Hopkins, Beckham, Michael Thomas, and, you know, whoever. You know, I mean, it's like... It's pretty easy to get him out of the top five without even saying anything about him, really, talent-wise. So I actually said something. I actually don't think he's even close to the top five. 
Right. No, I know you did. You said 15 yeah. or 20, ish, I, I, yeah. I think. But yeah, and I, I absolutely loved the, I know you have more to say, but I love the responses to this thread. It was very, very funny. I came across them and I just spent a good, I, I really, I laughed out loud a couple of times. One guy <laughs> was talking about, about Bill Belichick or whatever, um, you know, calls him good. And then I clicked it and it's like, Bill Belichick called him extremely productive. And I just laughed at him. He's like, basically, of course, he's extremely productive, but I can't remember the one-liners, but they were all at your expense. And I know you have a thick skin and it was just really funny. One, one diss after another. And does this guy, how does this guy have a job? Uh, right. you're, a, you're an attention whore. You're, I love just the thought of you right. seeking attention right. uh, for these t- hot takes of yours. And so a couple knocks on your looks or something. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was very, very uh, funny. And I highly recommend everyone read this thread if you haven't yet. <laughs> Go ahead and read the thread. It's, it's, lo- it's very long, though. Yeah, the, the thing of like, oh, you're looking for attention. There are like a million people like, oh, you're Skip Bayless, whatever. Like, dude. I didn't even tweet that. I did. I don't choose what clip they, you know, they tweet out. Like ninety nine point nine nine percent of everything I say, is just goes into the ether and it's never heard from again. And the one percent that they actually, and you know, once a day or five percent they actually like record and tweet out, it almost never goes viral ever. And sometimes I retweet them even, and nobody cares. This one I didn't even retweet. It was just that it got picked up by those Packers guys. So I'm not the one even sending this out there. I just said it, you know. Just and you're the one it. who drafted him 11th overall, by the way. Right, right, of course. So, but I, but the only reason I even mentioned that I thought he was mediocre is because I've said it in the past, and I felt like, oh wait, isn't this the guy that doesn't like Devontae Adams and he's drafting him? I thought it merited at least a little explanation. And like for some reason they got so pissed. And then you know, so so that was that was the other thing. Like, okay, you're looking for attention. You're Skip Bayless, whatever. And then there's the other thing, like one of the guys, one of the Packers beat writers, this guy, Zach Cruz, was like, I just, I, he didn't like that I said that Adams is mediocre because we got into an exchange based on your, his 8.2 yards per target is the most he's ever had in any season, which is, which is like basically league average-ish, and it's definitely below league average for an outside receiver. He plays like a third of his snaps in the slot or so, but he's 15th out of 27 from the 100 target receivers, but a lot of those guys who are on the low end are like the Jarvis Landry Edelman types who are slot guys, you know? So it's like, if you talk about outside receivers, it's actually below average. And he's like, how can you just do it based on one stat? And he's saying like, he's amazing at the line of scrimmage. He's a great route runner. You know, Aaron Rodgers calls him special all the time. I'm thinking, yeah. So if he's such a great guy at the line of scrimmage, you can't jam him. And he runs such great routes. That should mean he has great yards per target. Shouldn't it? You know, like that's not a refutation. That means that they're at a loss to explain why his, you know, his production on a per opportunity basis isn't that good. Or he must be really bad in another area. Yeah, that out exactly. Like if you're, it's like saying this pitcher has a 4.20 ERA for the last 600 innings, but he's he's a superstar. Have you heard? Have you seen how good his curveball is? It's like, yeah, but. What? He must his sequencing must be bad or something if his curveballs like you know it doesn't it doesn't really add up you know and then people were saying well I mean just one stat I mean who cares but if you look at that stat it's pretty indicative it's like who's who of the best players in the league every year usually and the question is, is it a perfect stat no because there's noise in some of these stats and so a couple of guys made good arguments they said look that stat doesn't really describe him because one guy I'll, I'll give him a, a mention at Wolf. J-A-D-A-M. This guy, Rick, said that his target quality rating was number 53 league-wide, and only 75% of his targets were deemed catchable, and that number was 67th. 
and his average depth of target was 11.7 yards, number 51. But that's, the, that's among all receivers. So that's like actually an argument because that's saying, like, first off, he's running shallower routes, so his total output's going to be more like a slot receiver. Secondly, if he's getting credited for targets that were actually not catchable, then the opportunity number is actually, uh, you know, it doesn't, it's not really reflective, right? So, like, he may have 168 targets where he had last year, but maybe he had 130 catchable targets. And then if you put his yardage into that, he actually is very efficient. So that's a good argument, right? That's an argument against the stat. The stat is legit. It's like ERA is not a perfect stat. It's noisy. But if I tell you a pitcher has a above four ERA for every year of his career, and then I try to make the argument, but he's actually elite because of his stuff, are you going to buy that argument? Right. No. No, I'm saying something else is going on. Obviously. As shitty as ERA is, and you know, I'm not even talking about war or some more descriptive metric or, or that's I'm just talking about like ERA, which we know is flawed. But if I tell you over 600 innings at his peak, his best 600 innings, he never had an ERA under 420. Who is the, if I just leave it at that one stat and say, he's not elite and you're listening to it. Are you thinking the burden on proof of proof is on me to show that the 420, I have to show more than just the fact that he had a 420 ERA over 600 innings. Or is the burden on the guy saying he's elite to show why yeah. that ERA, well, he's his home park's course field and he had the worst defense in the league and, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, his bullpen gave up the so many inherited run, every inherited run score strand rate was below 50%. That would be the burden on the other side to show why ERA in this one case, flawed as it is, just should not be applied to him. Right, of course. Yeah, what they say he has really good uh, at the line of scrimmage or um, or separation yeah, or the, whatever. But yeah, of course. Getting off of course, the line and, and route running is, is the absolute wrong way to attack this because that would be saying, like, his curveball is really good, though. Yeah, but his ERA yeah. is 420. So that's not saying his curveball is good doesn't refute the ERA stat. Saying his defense is historically bad and he plays in course field does refute the ERA stat. You're not of course. addressing, you're, you're not taking on the fact that his output stat sucks doesn't suck, but sucks for a first overall pick, first round pick. So that's the battle. And I thought some guys did a good job of that. You know, talking about McCarthy and the offense and talking about one, one guy said, you know, there's a year where he played a full game of running back and he had 14 targets right, for 74 right. yards. And that, you know, really knocked down his numbers. And he said the end zone, he's really good in the end zone, gets so many targets there. And red zone targets just cannot, you know, they, they get capped in terms of yardage, because it ends in the end zone. It's like a goal line back getting a carry from the one. It hurts his yards per carry. Right. You, yeah. You could also catch like a, you know, a 40 yard pass in the air for half a yard too. On the other side of the field too, you know, the goal line. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't realize you dominated uh, yards per target last year because of your article, which is really good. And I recommend everyone read it. It was a really good retort. How many people you think controlled you on Twitter, uh, Went and actually read that. Oh, uh, zero. I mean, zero point. Zero point. They're they're not (laughs) interested. They're not really interested in this. They're just aggrieved in life, you know, just like we are, and especially me. And they like Devontae Adams, and they hear someone say something about Adams they don't think is true, and they just want to kill that person. You know, (laughs) that's pretty much it. They don't really give a shit. Yeah, it is pretty much (laughs) what Yeah. No, it's Mike Evans, though, who dominated last year. He was like, clearly led the the league. I didn't realize he, he was that good last year. But, um, uh, what about what about Adams? I know that you drafted him partially because of just strategy that Juju would come back, but I have him um, just as my wide receiver four, just because I feel like for everything you said, like I just feel like that was an absolute ideal situation leading the league in in zone targets. I get that a new coach could be exciting for the Packers, but 
I feel like, I mean, I guess Rodgers does lock on to his guys, but he's also kind of a sneaky injury risk for me, Rodgers. He keeps getting banged up, and like last year he played all year with that, with that injury. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't love him as the wide receiver number two. Like it seems like that's the consensus right now. Yeah. I, Just I in fantasy that, terms, I mean. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, not obviously really I mean, I mean, separating that. I mean, I think Beckham could go crazy with Mayfield. Julio is just so rock solid. I could see, you know, whatever. I don't think it's a so, slam dunk that Adams is a number two in fantasy terms. I agree. I have Julio actually ahead of him too, and I almost took him, but I, then I just decided Adams over Julio because Julio's just at that age where there could be a drop off. You know, just he, he didn't show any signs at all, Julio, of dropping off. But you're a, you deal with a big receiver in the third in their thirties. That's kind of risky. I just thought Adams is in his prime. He's still like twenty six, twenty seven. He's Rogers number one. I mean Valdez Scantling. I actually like this year, but no, oh, yeah, me too. I th- I think that. The red zone, he's clearly his red zone guy. He's clearly his number one guy. And if the offense is better overall, which it should be because McCarthy was just such a troglodyte, I think, uh, I think it's, it's – I have Adams actually getting 8.5 yards per target, which would be a career high because I just think – I just gave him the benefit of the doubt of not being with uh, McCarthy. And I just expect the whole rising tide lifts all boats and he's still the number one guy and, and still probably the favorite to be the number one red zone guy in the league. Yeah, I um, I don't. As a guy who wants to hammer running backs early, I really don't love uh, that spot where you were. I mean, Connor was off the board. I mean, uh, Nick Chubb nearly fell to you in the second round. How did you like going back to back wide receivers? I, I'm fine with it. Um, it was actually funny because it's a 14 team league, and we, you know, kind of like drew straws. You know, I was in third place last year. I should have got the third pick, but third pick of picks. But they drew straws, and I got last. I just got the pick that was left over, basically. No one wanted 11. So oh. I just, that's, that's why I was picking there. Uh, and I'm fine with this full PPR. And I think that, uh, I think starting with Juju and, and Devonte, I think I'm going to get, you know, at least, at least 300 targets for those two if they're healthy, and, you know, maybe 350 if I'm lucky. Juju's going to get a ridiculous amount of targets. I mean, I think Juju's a better real life receiver, but. You know, as, as I said, I think Adams is a fifteen to twenty NFL receiver playing in a with a still a very good quarterback and a system that should be better. So I, th- I think I'm going to rack up massive amounts of points. I mean, so you know, one of those running backs, whether it's Mixon or Damian Williams or Nick Chubb or whoever, is going to be better. But I don't know which one. <laughs> but I do yeah. know those receivers, yeah. if they're healthy, are going to be money in the bank. So I that's why I did it. And then you got your guy Drake, and um, don't want to go over your whole draft trip, but I will say that. Rounds five and six, O.J. Howard and Daryl Henderson is pretty much perfect for me as far as I'm you're, – you're doomed now because I love both Right, those, yeah, those yeah. Picks. Well, I um, mean, Daryl Henderson. I was trolling Mike Clay who took Gurley in, in the early round two. I was like, dude, you're going you're gonna to really not like this, you know, when, when Daryl Henderson starts going, going off. And he's like, you're going to really not like it when Malcolm Brown comes in. When, you know, it's like I don't even think he has <laughs> Malcolm Brown, but he's trying to re-troll me, you know, for my sixth-round pick instead of uh, – right. I was trolling him for a second-round pick. One, one thing I want to say is that just to highlight how much you can wait on quarterbacks, that's crazy. Rounds 12 and 13 to, to get Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. I mean, that's just, it's silly in the one quarterback leagues well, to take that position in this, the first This league's also a point every, it's a, a point every 25 passing, unlike the NFBC, which is a point every 20, and it's four point touchdowns, unlike the NFBC, where it's six point touchdowns. So this really favors running QB. So I took two of them. I wanted to get Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, but I ended up settling for. Um, Josh Allen, but it's just funny. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want like Philip Rivers in this format. It just doesn't make any sense. 
Um, so do you have any uh, thoughts on the Vegas strap? Would you, well, should I target it to or should I come away with well, Who well, should I go first, after? Live let me, say co- so let me just say a couple other things, okay? A couple other points okay. about this that I didn't even put in the column. Two other ones. One, okay. a lot of people were defending Adams like it was the slam dunk that uh, he, he did well with, uh, what's his name, uh, Brett Hundley as QB. So I looked, and sure. he, it was 11 games or something. He had 7.6 YPA and five touchdowns in 11 games with Brett Hundley. And that's good under the circumstances. Like, don't get me wrong. But you cannot, you cannot overcome a guy's entire career of never having more than 8.2 yards per target by just saying, he did fine with Brett Hundley, and that number is 7.6 and five touchdowns in 11 games. I mean, it's, that is good. But to me, that's like, okay, well, that's, that's just like some evidence that he's good. That just, this does not carry the argument, okay? A lot of people are using that. Like, that was the end of that. The other thing, and this is, uh, you know, the guy Scott Adams, who I follow on Twitter, he said something, and I think this is yep. kind of similar. So he said, if anybody exposes somebody's private communications and makes them public, and then those private communications end up being offensive or hurting somebody's feelings, the person who made them public should be credited with the content of those communications. Because you take it out of the context that it was meant in, and then it ends up being, you know, hurtful to people, that's the person that made that happen because that was never going to reach them. But this other person made it happen. And I think that's valid. I think unless it's like a, a situation where the private communications in greatly in the public interest, like if Snowden makes the NSA communications public, I think that's different because that's like in the public interest. But like if you're just talking about private citizens having a conversation, uh, sharing a tasteless joke, whatever, and that gets out and it's <clears throat> offensive to people and it really hurts their feelings, the person who put that out should be responsible for that because it, it should never have gotten out. And a similar thing is when people at the the player, which they were doing, they were adding Devontae Adams. Yeah, right? right. I feel like whatever critique that I'm making, and it wasn't private, obviously. I put it, it was on Twitter, it was on the radio. But if they're, like, I'm not seeing that guy when I say I think he's at 15 to 20. Not that he would care, but I'm just, it's, I'm not, like, trying to, like, troll the guy. I've got no, personally, I don't know the guy. I've, he's probably a perfectly nice person. I have zero. <laughs> but if you start basically trolling him through me by, like, linking, to, you know, adding him while you're responding to me, you're the one. You're responsible. Not me. Like, you're oh, yeah. the one. That's horrible. Throwing the negativity in his face. Not me. You know, like I'm just, you know, I'm just calling football as I see it. I'm just evaluating football as I see it. Couldn't agree with you more. That's totally, that's, a, that's I hate that move. Hate that move when people do that. It's really annoying. Yeah. And then the <clears> last thing, I'll say one last thing, actually, that a lot of people are, you know, you're talking about the Belichick thing. You know, Belichick's going to butter these guys up. He wants to beat them, you know, so he, he's like not going to ever say that guy's no good and get him super motivated. And secondly, reputation is a very sketchy metric. A lot of people... We'll talk about who they like. Think about like in the fantasy industry. Like a lot of people will talk up somebody, sometimes sincerely because they like their work, sometimes because maybe they want that guy to see that they're saying nice things about them and maybe that person will get them on their podcast or something. I mean, you don't really know the motive. It's to say, oh, that guy's great. Yeah, he's awesome. He's really tough. Maybe he just likes the guy personally. Maybe he just thinks he's a cool guy. I I would be very uh, dubious, very skeptical of you know, reputational quotes also taken out of context sometimes as, no, look, he's good. They say he's the toughest cover, you know, in the NFC Central or whatever, NFC North. It's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, I'll stick with the numbers and then you can tell me 
what's wrong with the numbers, where the noise is in the numbers, if you want to say, okay, this number normally is pretty indicative, but in this case, it's not. Right. And I'd also be extra worried, skeptical of a coach and I would like a colleague because they might be telling you misinformation on purpose. But I found right. this quote just especially funny because it said uh, Belichick was calling Adams, quote unquote, extremely productive, not tough to cover. Right. Was just Yeah, you agree, too. He was extremely productive. That's why you took him 11th I overall. I took him, right. Yeah, he's, he's very productive. He's like, yeah, he has been very productive at getting 180 targets with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. That's true. Anyway, I just yeah, found he, that one funny. And, yes, and by the way, the Patriots shut his ass down completely. He did score a touchdown, but he had like nine targets for 40 yards. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Liz, I'm sure you're tired of talking about Devontae yeah, Adams. No, I mean, well, it's, well yeah, and, uh, and also – the other point I made was if you're arguing with somebody, argue the merits of the case. Don't say you're just doing this for attention, man. You know, like that's kind of shit is like, it just makes me be like, dude, fuck off. You know, don't, don't tell me what I'm thinking. Don't tell me why I'm saying what I'm saying. You don't fucking know. You don't know me. Even if you do know me, you don't read my mind. If you think my point is bad or I'm making a logical error, absolutely go after it. And I always believe like when you're engaging with someone, about a, a, you know, a debate, something you believe, they believe. And if you're ostensibly out to find the truth of the matter, to see what's actually true, um, you're going to be pretty merciless about statements that don't hold up, and you're going to go after them. But you don't go after the person. You don't try to say, like, they're an idiot, or they don't understand football, or whatever. You, know, you just say, well, I don't see how that makes any sense. Here's why. And you, you fight it out on the, on the merits. And I think what happens sometimes is people when you savage their arguments or you, you know, disagree with their logic and you point out the fallacy in it, their, their feelings get hurt. And then they start to, they don't know what to do. So they kind of lash out at you. And it's a bad habit to be like that. Don't fight the person, just debate the logic, debate the player. And you'll, you'll, you'll just be better off. Now I still get, I'm still worse off in some of my personal life when I savage somebody's argument and they take it really personally and they get angry. But I just think like, your argument's fair game. If you're putting out your argument and someone's engaging with it, you know, don't, don't be a nutless monkey. You know, don't ad be sensitive hom, Ad hominem, right? Yeah. yeah ad hominem, right? Don't yeah. do the, yeah, that's, that's the, right. That's, that's basically the word for it. Ad hominem attacks. Just savage the argument, but, um, you know, show respect for the person you're arguing with. Totally agree. Uh, a couple uh, off-field stuff I wanted to ask you about in football. Um, don't have a ton of baseball stuff, but um, oh, did you see the picture of Rob Gronkowski? And I think you commented, but I did want you to comment further on Le'Veon Bell's uh, off-season activities as well. Oh yeah, well the real man commented. That wasn't me. It was a real man. It's from the perspective oh, of the real man. Yeah, it certainly I happened to run the account. It certainly wasn't listed. Yeah, no, certainly it wasn't listed. If it was a real man. Yeah, a real man. All right, I said. Because basically, Love Bell, the, the story was um, he, he called the police because all his jewelry and some other money and stuff had been uh, robbed from his house, stolen from his house. And they asked him, what were the assailants wearing? And he said, nothing. They were naked in bed. I left the two women in bed, and I left, and they took all my stuff. And I said, first off, real man does not let groupies steal his ice, right? I mean, you and I can agree on that. Totally. Yeah, that's definitely no go. Does a real man let groupies steal his ice, Dalton? No, absolutely not. No, it does not. Absolutely not. You know what a real man does but, do, though? Hey, go ahead. But the real man had to re admit credit where it's due for the menage, right? Because, I mean, come on. You can't, you can critique him on that basis, 
but you also have to give them the credit where it's due. And nonchalantly say like a million dollars when the when the receptionist at, or the other side nine one one sorry operator asked uh, how much is it value <laughs> oh, about a million dollars about a million dollars you know I was having this yeah. menage I was having this menage and then I had to I had to leave and these naked women made off with a million yeah, dollars it, worth of my stuff you know what, what were they what were they wearing I don't know ma'am they were naked when I left <laughs> yeah. uh, amazing. But, uh, uh, I do, have, seen, I do uh, have respect. I'm actually going to move them up my board from that. I'm definitely moving them up the board for that. For sure. Massive respect. Um, Gronk pick. It doesn't look like that guy is going to be unretiring anytime soon. Do you see him, how skinny he got? He looks, like, he looks like he could be a small forward in the NBA or something. He doesn't look like a football player anymore. I'm sure it was just a weird angle, though. I'm sure it was something that was distorted. I, mean, I saw a clip of him, like 15 seconds. He looks really, really thin. I guess that's the same thing that like Tony Gonzalez said. He entertained coming back, and but he lo- had already lost his, his plane weight or something. So I don't know. But well, that, well, what do you yeah, think it really is? You think they just like they're not lifting like maniacs all the time and eating like 10,000 calories worth of meat and stuff, so they're just losing the I, weight? Yeah, I don't know because most people balloon in age. They get they get heavier, but I don't know. My my guy Barry Bonds was looking thin when I saw him at Warriors games, so maybe it's just the alleged roid users. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No, what I, if if, if Gronk were using small, roids, he wouldn't have been he wouldn't have been shocking. hurt as much as he was. That's probably true. That was he was shockingly small in that picture or that clip, whatever. That's all I know. I, I was maybe he has some sort of debilitating you know illness or something. I mean, he shouldn't be that skinny. Yeah, he, he was he was too skinny. Um, all right. Do you think uh, you think you could beat talk. the current version of Gronk in a fight? Me, no. I can. I don't think I'd, I'm not a very good fighter. These, not that I ever would, but I used to have like at least a temper. Now I'm, I'm a wuss. I don't think I'd be a very good fighter at all. You, you, you claim you'd be a tough fighter. Um, I'm like top ten in the world. Yeah. If, if, only, if I got enraged, if I got enraged, don't sell yourself short. Yeah. Um. You. Uh. So you. 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 You take Gronk. You're the favorite. No. Over no. I wouldn't. Gronk. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even try to fight. I would not f- fight Skinny Gronk. Skinny Gronk would kick my ass. Yeah. Anyone who's yeah. the greatest tight end in NFL history and he's only six months off from playing in the Super Bowl, there's you would have zero chance to beat him in a fight. This is very true. I was just curious your delusional answer, what it was going to be, but um, that is correct. I Um, am delusional with respect to my fighting abilities, but I'm not that delusional. I got you. So who should I come away with uh, in this Vegas? Which which player do I need to come away with? I don't know. There's really nobody that I'm I'm wedded to this year. I mean, obviously I want to get Barkley, but, you know, he'll cost what he costs. I don't really see anybody that, like, this is the guy to get. I mean, I like Mike Williams, DJ Moore. Daryl Henderson. I like all those guys that have crazy upside, but that's how I draft every year. Yeah, that's fair. Um, all right. Well, you will be missed, though. Uh, you'll sure you'll have a good time at the wedding and understanding, but uh, that, that sucks. It's probably the first time you were not on this trip in, in how long? A dozen years? No, more. Like since 2003, I want to say, 2004. Man, yeah. It's a long time. Long time. Yeah. I actually missed a day of it once to do this event at USC Coliseum. I did uh, LA Coliseum. I did some event where I was like interviewed and Rotowire set up a booth, but that was like 2008. So it's been a while since I missed any part of this trip. And uh, I don't really, I mean, it's, it's a fun trip, but I'm going to be in a pretty nice place in France, fancy hotel. It's funny. I I was, I was going to be cheap. I I didn't want to spend money on like, clothes for this thing i had these old blazer and stuff and i'm like you think i can get away with this to heather and she's like yeah kind of yeah whatever and i was like but then we were in this department store for some reason 
getting ice cream or whatever. And because uh, the great ice cream place near us is at, in the department store. It's on like the top floor. There's like food court and the amazing ice cream place opened up there. So we saw some stuff. I started trying on some stuff with Heather. And so she's like, oh, that looks great. You know, so I started buying some stuff. So I bought like maybe a thousand euros worth of different stuff. Some of it for the wedding and just some of it anyway. And so they had to tailor it. And I went to New York and I came back to pick it up oh. yesterday. <laughs> you hear this? So I, I went back oh, to I was going to ask you about this later. <laughs> yeah. I think so, I know like, where you're going it, with this. So it's taken a while, you know, for them to get the stuff. So I start wandering around, like looking at them. There's all these sales and stuff. Maybe I'll get something. And I see the blazer that I bought for 500 euros. And that's like, you know, 500 and whatever, 40 bucks or no more. It's like 600 bucks. And it's on sale for 300 euros. It's 40% off, 200 euros off, 240 bucks off. And I'm like, uh, hey, listen. Um, Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is, can I get this money back? Because, you know, I would just return the one I'm getting and then just buy it back. You know, because, I mean, you can't do that, man. You can't sell somebody something and then mark it down, and then if they see it, you're kind of screwed. You just kind of got to give them the discount because you can just return it. And, you know, Portugal's not like the U.S. Like, they're not, like, customer. They're nice, but they're not, like, they don't, they don't really understand, like, oh, no, you got to take care of people. So, like, I get to, like, three different levels of managers, but my XM show is starting, so I can't stay there that long. And they're all telling me maybe no, but I keep arguing. I'm like, they're like, no, I'm sorry, you altered it, so you can't return it. I'm like, dude, just take the altered one, and I'll buy the altered one back. What do you care? Just it's, pretend it's not altered for the two minutes during the transaction. It's just a technicality. It's ridiculous. So they finally got the, the higher boss out there, and he said no. So I emailed them, and I'm going to call them. I'm getting that 200 at least in credit. This is bullshit, man. You can't sell me a jack for 500 It's just bad news that I saw it for 300 You know what I mean? If I never saw it, I'd be happy with it. It's a nice jacket. Yeah, I know you got to keep us updated on that, which I'm sure you will. But uh, I, I, what are the odds of you not getting that, that discount? I don't know because – so the other wrinkle in this is – and this probably hurts me – is when we bought this stuff, all the stuff, it was like 1000 bucks. Um, the woman saw that, you know, heard us speaking English, American English, and she was like, oh, if you're tourists, you can get like 10% off five to- up to five times a year as like a tourist shopper here. And so you just need a U.S. ID, you know, like ID. So I gave her my California driver's license. She put it in the system and got us 10% off. So I got like 100 bucks back. No, no, it wasn't 10 And Well, she did, but she charged me for a bunch of stuff. And then the one thing that was like a hundred bucks, you used a hundred dollars in credit that you get to pay for that. So it like got me something for free that I was already getting saved me a hundred bucks. So that's on the receipt. So I already got like a hundred off on the whole thing. So I'm trying to get another 200 off. Right. For that thing, yeah. Right. So, but I mean, it is what it is, but the problem is I'm like, well, I live near here. I shop here all the time, which is true. I use the, you know, it's like this giant store. that's all those different things. So, 
but they're going to be like, but then why'd you get this discount? And then I'm going to be like, well, right. she just said, oh, you guys should get this discount. But then she's going to get in trouble, which I don't want. I don't want any of the employees to get in trouble. I just want to get my, my discount. So we'll see. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Well, still keep us updated on how, uh, this is big. This is big. I know. Drop what you're doing. This is big time. This is a serious. No, no doubt. Well, how how are your baseball teams doing list? Uh, Pretty good. I had a horrible night last night. So I slipped from like 98 points in the main to 93. So like third to fourth, they're right there. You know, I picked up uh, Tyler O'Neill and Michael Frankel for four bucks each. And they're just the kind of guys that can hit you like, you know, a bunch of home runs. I just need gallows back. I just need everyone to start hitting home runs. So um, everything else is fine. I mean, I got starting pitching, closers now, batting average runs, steals. I just don't have home runs and RBIs, and I'm way back. So I just need, you know, I just need like that Reese Hoskins, Matt Olson guy that comes up and just gives you like two two years ago and just gives you like 25 home runs in the last two months. And uh, maybe I'll make a make a dent in the top, you know, top 20. Speaking of guys coming up, and, and another Roto, I'm in two. The other one not in your the RotoWire Online Championship. I'm in second place, and I hope you're sitting down. But I've uh, spent a lot of my budget, so I, I don't have a lot left. And I didn't bid on Brendan McKay, and no one bid on him. I, I feel wow. I know. I guess twelve. I guess twelve teamers are just crazy. I'll never make that mistake again. I just thought that NFBC was so on it that there were a one dollar bid. Oh, wouldn't I have see. worked, but I'll, yeah, I won't make that mistake again. I'll, I'll never do that uh, again. You made but two I, I, terrible mistakes yeah, this year. I know. That's, that's a, I know. I know. Okay, so which leads us to the other one. This doesn't make any difference, and it actually – it's why – I mean, it, why I burned through the fab is I suffered so many injuries I didn't think I had a chance anyway. But uh, Belt in the one I am with you got outfield eligibility. I'm still oh. in a lot of trouble, but uh, Belt uh, replaced McCutcheon in, in the league you're in. Congratulations. I'm, I'm sure you're I'm, very sad to hear. You're very sad to hear. Congratulations. I'm happy for you. Now, that team's in second place, that one. that's it. You have no chance of catching it. it right, that one's right. like, you're, you know. You're doing well, actually, huh? You're doing well for once. Yeah, no, that team's good. That team's actually good. I still need power. That, that, you know, I drafted Miguel Cabrera in these leagues. Remember, he's my most commonly owned player. And so, like, oh, what a surprise. Power is my issue in so many of these leagues. But. That team's really good. I lost uh, Frankie Montas and Rich Hill off that team, but I had such a surplus of pitching that didn't really miss a beat. And uh, that one's – there's a guy who's been in first all year, but I'm, I'm going to catch him. You want to hear something funny that you'll like. Do you know who uh, Mike Masato is, Mike the Mouth Masato? Yeah, he's in my main event league. Okay. I only know him from that, but yes. Okay, so he's always talking Yang. He's always has a side bet with me. And he was yeah, like he mocking you. Yeah, a ton of – Talked a ton of shit to me in, in, during the draft. Right, and he's yeah. calling you a yeah. nutless monkey and all this stuff. And he was totally mocking uh, you for being a nutless monkey, spending all your fab. Well, guess what Mike Masato did in the side bet league he has with me in the main event? What did he do? Spent all his fab. All of it? Just like you. Really? So what are the odds that, A, that dude's mocking you, and then he does the same thing? I mean... That's like double nutless monkey. And then two, what are the odds that the two people I have $100 side bets with in the, in, in the entire NFBC, in the leagues they're in it with me, blew all their fab before July 1st? Both people that I have the side bets with. Yeah, and I don't know what, what the hell I'm doing. I'm just messing around. That guy's like really into the NFBC. That's, that's surprising. Oh, yeah, it's like a, wow, he's like an, he's like an ATM. I, I did have to pay him like one year out of like five, but like every year it's just like I get a hundred dollars from that guy. He does pay on time though. I'll give him, 
respect where it's due. He, he does pay on time. I don't have to chase it down. I'm, I'm battling him and ours. We go back and forth uh, currently. Um, wow, that's funny. I'm glad. I'm glad you said that. That uh, it does make my day a little. You're a not little the bit only better. one. You're not the only one. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other baseball notes I, I wanted you to talk about briefly is uh, Yasiel Puig, our guy. It, what a weird season. You know, he's on pace for 35 homers, 25 steals, and like a 290 on base. Like that. What a weird season. And then the other two things are kind of to, to give you a hard time, but this one sucks. But Severino, the setback, and uh, uh, I heard uh, drop Uriel. I heard that one too. Those are the two things I want to give you a hard time about the, the Severino, and then you dropped Guriel in the league. Do you know that Lourdes Guriel um, would have the fourth best WRC plus? That, that's the best measure basically for a hitter behind the big three, but Bellinger, Yelich, and who, Trout, uh, Trout this year if he qualified. Yeah, if he qualified. All right, so. I'll, I'll give you, so first Severino, I had him in every league. I even had him in the third round of the league that we're in, that I'm in second place and that you're frozen in like seventh place and not going to advance. So that, you know, unfortunately I lost Severino, Montas and Hill. And, you know, I have Soroka, I have, a bu- I have Verlander. I'm, my pitching's good. So that one is all right. But then in like the main event, I had Severino and it sucked. Like if I just cut him, like I should have, like a real man would have, when he first had the setback in like mid-May, um, I would have freed up an extra spot, and I should have, but I was hoping he'd come back after the All-Star break, and now I just have to cut him, obviously. Super frustrating that whole year. But I got him in the ninth, so the first injury, I, you know, I got a discount on. The second injury, I had to wait it out, and then this one is, is the end. And I had him in several leagues, and it's just super annoying, but it, it is what it is. Uh, I, you know, I picked up Giolito in that league. I drafted Ryu, so I've had my share of luck, too, in that league. Guriel is worse than what you're making it out to be because it was an AL only. Okay, like A only. Oh. And I had Renato Nunez, who has like a ton of home runs. Renato Nunez had like six home runs, and then he hadn't had a hit in like 30 at bats. He never draws a walk, never steals a base. Guriel was batting 170, got sent down to the minors. And then I had Ryan Cordell, who I also later dropped, and he was in the majors, but he's kind of got semi regular playing time. So the problem was, and this is even worse, I had Austin Hayes, who for some reason I was convinced would be up soon and playing. I had Craig Kimbrell, who hadn't signed yet and might sign in the AL, so I, had to, I couldn't cut him. And I had Forrest Whitley, who any day now could get, you know, he wasn't doing well, but I was like, he'll get it together. I have to hold on to him. So, and I had some other guy on my bench. I can't remember. Anyway, so I was like, Jeff, who do I cut? It must have been Cordell. So I was like, Jeff, who do I cut? And I cut Nunez first. As soon as he's cut, he gets picked up. He hits like, I want to say he hit 11 home runs in the next three weeks, Nunez. Now he's been slumping again. Then I cut Gurriel after that. And then he's been, you know, as you said, one of the best hitters in baseball since then. But he's in, he was hitting 170, got sent down, and Jeff Erickson, I said, who did I cut? He said, um, <laughs> he said cut Gurriel because Kavon Biggio is going to get called up and play second ahead of him. And they have Bichette coming when he gets healthy. There's no place for uh, Gurriel because he was going to be this, like, utility guy in the Blue Jays. And... Oh, man, it's just I can't even look at a box score anymore. And that team's competitive. And I lost Carrasco and Montas on that team, too. And somehow it's like still like it's it, it's I can't even look. That team should have won it. I was a, I drafted a good team and I just completely and, blew it. And for whatever reason, if you look at Toronto this year for homers, it's playing like Coors Field and it's prime like the MLB Park Factor. I know it's a small sample, but for whatever reason, the circumstances for this year it's like 1.485 standard deviation. It's, it's insane. So it's, it's, it's Well, why can't that, Vlad Guerrero hit a home run? Uh, his, his launch angle, I know, killing me. I have him everywhere in our bet. I know. Good question. There was, 
footage of him last night preparing for the home run derby and he hit a bomb about every swing and i'm like okay how about in the real game let's see that but yeah good question list um but yeah tough tough drop there i do like that you have a uh, someone to scapegoat though and for you to uh, i always have a scapegoat uh, always have yeah. a scapegoat that's what happens right like you blew all the fab and i mocked you mercilessly on the podcast and on the radio show and you had nobody to blame but yourself and that's always a terrible position to be in so jeff erickson shouldn't have told me to cut lourdes Goriel in that ao only league <laughs> um you know i think emmett smith once called it an, an escape goat not a scapegoat and then I've, I've like made fun of it so much i'm gonna catch myself saying it like on you know saying the term wrong on purpose yeah. but um yeah. Anyway, I have last last baseball thing. I have you know, Nathan Eovaldi, and I'd say at least eight leagues. Um, and apparently, he's going to come back like their full time closer. Not even sure I like that in most of the leagues. That my strategy has not been geared toward that. But that's a pretty wild decision, don't you think? Yeah, that's. I have Workman in the main event. He would be my fourth closer, so it's not the end of the world. But got him for nothing. And you know, none of my closers are that good. So it's you always want depth. It's not like those guys are locked in. Um, that's unfortunate. We'll see if he comes back 100%, doesn't have a setback, all that. But um, yeah, it's unfortunate. I just uh, saw an update. Tommy Listella has a tibia fracture out 8 to 10 weeks. So that's a, main, that's a main event guy and a Tout Wars guy and a couple other leagues. So that that hurts. I mean, I can't, I mean, I got him for nothing and he's been huge for me, but sucks. Speaking of the Angels, crazy Tyler Skaggs. How old is he? 27? I mean, man, as of this recording, I haven't even seen any news of, of how it the cause. I mean, that's just terrible. That, was, that mean, was terrible. If I had to guess, I would say probably some latent heart defect. I mean, there's no. they said the guy was totally normal. He was pitching fine. He had like a four-something ERA. I mean, it was just, I don't think he was like using drugs. I don't know. I just think he was probably like some kind of latent heart. We'll see. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah. But uh, I remember when I saw the news scroll through my feed, I was like, wait, Boz Skaggs? Or I was like, or Tyler, who's that? You know what I mean? Like, because you just, I had it like, it didn't compute in my brain. Right, right. No, definitely. I'm that age. And so the Angels didn't lose Nick Aidenhart not that long ago, too. It's bizarre. Um, or it sucks, obviously. So. We, uh, what else? Uh, we have a supersized edition here. Um, obviously, we didn't go where we went on last week and a couple of weeks off, but um, I don't have much part of the sports world. Other than U.S. Women's World Cup, I'm sure you're not watching an NBA free agency. I'm sure you're only paid attention to because of your Nick Whalen uh, and Andre interviews on XM. Yeah. But uh, what, do you have any jealousy of not, not knowing or, or the NBA these days at all, like a tinge? I know, obviously, you can only do so much or whatever, but, but do you do at all or, or you're, you're fine being out? I... I like the NBA a lot, and it seems like the league's getting better. And I like the fact that the Warriors are kind of broken up, and I hope the Lakers don't get. Said I hope so too, but yeah, he's probably going to go there. But I, I, I'm with you. I hope the Lakers do not well, get quiet. Dre made the case that he's not going to go there. That it's not the type of personality he has to want to have that spotlight and be the overdog. And so I, I think he might not. He may sign with Toronto. And there's a news thing that came in by the time this is posted people probably know that um jalen rose said that his sources that he had i mean who knows but he's like a legit reporter now he said that his sources said that he's going back to toronto for a two-year deal so that's the latest thing i heard but anyway if they break up yeah, the super teams then i think it's exciting it's great league and i really you know i could get back in the nba i could but just the amount of baseball that I have to study in just every fab period just to like make sure I'm making reasonable moves and then obviously you have to know football well. 
I just, I don't really have room for, I'm trying to, I'm going to see if I can get into Portuguese soccer so I can pick up more Portuguese while watching soccer, which seems like a fun thing to do and bet on it or whatever. But it's like when I, when I listen to a podcast or I listen to something, I'm listening to stuff, you know, I'm listening about, to other things. I'm listening, you know, about technology or about Bitcoin or about something else. So I don't know, man, I love sports, but it just seems like got to go for the, the, the biggest stuff in life is, is the most interesting to me right now. No, totally fair. Do you want to move on to the bigger stuff? Get what you sure. Sure you have Go, a lot unless on your you mind. Have something else. I mean, I, I'm happy no. to talk about it, but I, you know, I'm not like, yeah. I just know about it. Yeah, you're right. Basically from talking to Nick and Dre. Yeah, no, I, I don't just me crying about Durant not choosing the area and whatever. Nah, it's enough for you to talk. Let's talk. Um, yeah, serious, serious issues. Um, uh, do you have uh, any, first of all, before we get into the political stuff, do you have any opinion on um, all the, like the deaths that are happening in the Dominican Republic by tourists? I didn't even know about that. So it's really bizarre circumstances and, and Google it. And there's a, a lot of it's happening like in the dozens. Oh yeah. Kevin Payne, had, Kevin Payne had like a trip booked and then he canceled it because he just was like, this is too risky. And then I tweeted real man moves there permanently. And then he, oh, I didn't even me, know that he, was, then, then he yeah. sent me, he paid for it. I think, I mean, he canceled it and then he sent me a uh, flight itinerary from Lisbon to, Dominican Republic. He was like, you basically say you can go if you want to be a real man and go. But I don't. I didn't hear specifically beyond. I just. I just remember Payne complaining about it. He was supposed to go. Yeah, yeah. People are coming forward saying, yeah, this happened to me a couple years ago at this similar same resort. So like, I don't, some people it might just be like uh, 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 not attempting to do it, just but like cleaning uh, some cleaning material that's different. I don't know. It's very suspicious and, and weird and, and something that. I was what? curious. What do you mean uh, cleaning material that's different? What do you mean? Like it's like a poisonous I cleaning material? Like, yes, yeah, some sort of poisonous material that they use there that we're not used to. It's like affecting the lungs. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very odd circumstances. Oh, they're ac- so you're happens. saying it's accidental deaths? Well, that's what they're claiming. All the reports are saying they're accidental. Yeah, but it's now in the dozens. I mean, how, many, how, how accidental could it be? I mean, and so many people are coming forward too. So it's very odd. Just, just go ahead and go. Or, sorry, uh, duck, duck, go. Dominican oh, I Republic. can duck, duck, go uh, later. Yeah. So, um, do you have any thoughts of, uh, oh, before I, I want to ask political, I, was just, I just thought of you that, uh, uh, there, this, I saw someone making the news that they received bad service and they left a hundred dollar tip on a $66 bill and signed that we've been there before or something, but plastered it on Facebook and it made a, like all kinds of news everywhere because of their tip. And I just thought of you saying, look at these people just making all kinds of, 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 of news and all this because they're showing them, look how nice we are. We had bad service, but we still had a big tip. And I just thought of how much something like that would probably bother you. I mean, it doesn't really bother me. I just don't, you know, I just don't have, I'm not on Facebook and I don't follow people like that on Twitter. But, but the, the, the culture of, of look at me give. Yeah, it's, and, it's, it's, it's yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. But like, yeah, okay, I, I, don't all right. know. Yeah. I thought maybe that'd be like, they were like making a prank or something, but they were, they were, no, I, okay, when you first told me the story, I thought it was like a joke. No, they're just showing. They're just showing how kind they were. That they dealt with bad service, and they said, "We've been there before." And here's a big tip. And look at you right. know, look at how big. Yeah, and then it nice blew up, and everyone, and, yeah. and everyone's talking about it. Yeah. So, yeah, um, th- thoughts on the debates, uh, which I assumed I assumed you watch them. So, I didn't or maybe watch not. I, I, don't know. I didn't watch them. I did not. No. Uh, I, I've I've mostly lost faith in somebody to lead. Like I'll predict them and I'll I'll make like predictions and stuff. 
and I have obviously preferences, but I've mostly lost faith in a top-down leader doing any major good for the country. I don't think it's going to resolve like that. I think it's going to have, have to happen um, sort of from the ground up. Yeah, that that's certainly fair and makes the most sense. And, and uh, the debates pulse- and the way it's structured and like the the moderators and all this, I just can't. It's just like it would make me sick. Oh yeah, it's it was a, a nightmare. They're like they're fighting over each other, screaming, and it was pretty pretty yeah. frustrating. Two takeaways I would say though here is that your your person Tulsi was the most search candidate afterwards. So she surged the most because of the debates and uh, like Biden's biggest supporter, I think from San Francisco, was pulled out his funds and and it appears you were right and, and the odds at the time were wrong all along with Biden being the the heavy favorite because oh, uh, you Biden. said that all along. You well, said Biden that all along. Is an easy call. What a joke he is. The one that that I'm nervous about is Kamala Harris has surged and yep. uh, Scott Adams, who's like predicted Trump in 2015 feels like certain that she's going to be the democratic nominee. And that makes me nervous because he's gotten a lot of stuff, right? And I really dislike her. I mean, she's like the donor's favorite candidate. She's like, she's going to carry water for the military industrial complex and wall street. And she's whack. And I hope that she doesn't win, but I thought it would be Buttigieg would be the only one that people would vote for that was sort of the establishment person because he's personable and, and in my opinion, more likable, and that uh, it would be him versus whoever the left candidate, whether it was Warren, Bernie, or Tulsi, or maybe Andrew Yang, who is also kind of in that mix. But if it's Harris instead of Buttigieg, I hope... The left, but you know, the left is not that organized, and so it may be her. And I'm, I'm just makes me nervous that Scott Adams is so sure of it. But I, uh, I really hope it's not her. I just really hope it was, she was the person that like prosecuted poor people for not going to school for truancy, you know. And then she also, like, she didn't like. I think she didn't hand over like exculpatory evidence for like people that were accused of crimes. I and mean, she was just made uh, a lot of the most vulnerable people in society's lives miserable as a prosecutor and then she gave what's his name uh steve nunchen uh trump's secretary of the treasury his bank a slap on the wrist when her people recommended she prosecute and then she didn't and never had an adequate explanation for why she didn't so to me she's like hillary 2.0 at best so i i really hope that she is not the nominee but again i I don't know. You know, there's all these sort of second order effects that happen when things like that happen. I'm not going to get too excited about it. Yeah, no, Harris definitely surged for sure. Big time. Uh, people loved when she attacked uh, Biden there. Um, yeah, Biden is just such guy. an easy ca- candidate to like attack. Yeah. He's just such an idiot. Yeah. I mean, he's just so easy. I, I thought Buttigieg came across well in the debates, but he's got himself a problem with a police shooting now in his, in his home, home, home state in Indiana. So he's got to, definitely deal with that um but let's, let's move on from that what a lot of stuff to talk about trump i mean stopping the iran strike uh meeting with mbs at the g20 then then kim jong-un and putin do you have any have any thoughts on our president so uh, somebody uh, it was a quote from somebody i can't remember who it was from i wish i'd give him credit but all these total morons and nutless monkeys in the democratic party and also neocons they're like don't meet with dictators when he meets with kim, kim jong-un but somebody said, no, when you meet with MBS, sort of in furtherance of tyranny, like you're supporting his tyrannical behavior, that's bad. We shouldn't be doing that. But if you're meeting with a dictator in furtherance of peace, 
that's good, right? I mean, it's obvious. Obviously, what he's doing with Kim Jong-un is good because it's, it's making the possibility of peace more likely. And that's the intent. You know, it's not like we're going to get business from North Korea. Oh, the Trump hotel that's going up in North Korea. Like, clearly, he doesn't have any sort of dirty motives for that. But with MBS, like, they're a tyranny also. But we're furthering the tyranny, selling them weapons. You know, that's, that's bad. So I think we need to distinguish. It's not about meeting with dictators. It's about what's the purpose of the meeting. And so one is good, right. one is bad. And then, you know, the fact that he did not strike Iran uh, after they blew up one of our drones is obviously good. And it's, I don't know if, you know, if, how calculated he is or like if it's just good politics to say, no, it's disproportional to kill a bunch of people, 300 people or 150 people, whatever it was, for them shooting down an expensive machine. You know, again, I don't know how much of that's true, but obviously that's a good message. And any thoughts on what's going on with the, with the China trade war? It sounds more positive lately or maybe just putting off some, some trouble down the line. I don't know really what's going on with that. I don't have the knowledge to really analyze that situation. But I think like for China and the U.S. and the world economy, like shit is getting real pretty soon. Uh, this guy, Michael Krieger, who I follow, he posted an interesting article. And he said, you know, the S&P just hit you know, another all-time high today. But if you measure it in dollars, it's an all-time high. But if you measure it versus the price of gold, which has gone up quite a bit over the last year, the all-time high was September 2018. And then the second all-time high that we hit that broke that record a few months ago or whatever, that was lower. Even though it was the all-time high in dollars, it was lower in terms of gold. And this all-time high is even lower than that one in terms of the price of gold. And it's just interesting because you can juice up the market if you print more dollars. But the price versus gold which now like obviously is in demand because people aren't trusting these negative interest rates in Europe. Well, and he's... Uh, Go ahead. I've been meaning to ask you your opinion on gold for a while now, actually. So perfect. So what is your opinion on gold? Well, I don't know, but I'm just saying when you price these things in gold, which is sort of a, the oldest store of value that we have and it's getting lower, even though on paper on dollars, it's getting higher. That may be showing you the real direction of the economy. And also the fact that people are running to safe havens. It's a, it was a really interesting post. It's just, that's a good way to look at it because they can fake the stock market. They can keep printing more money and the stock market's going to hit record highs in dollars. But if it's dropping versus gold, it's dropping in real terms. And then uh, that guy also says that he should hold Bitcoin and gold, basically the two stores of value that are not printable, not easily, uh, you know, infinitely printable and replicable and inflationary. <laughs> you know, if you have gold, you got to decide, like, how are you going to, have custody of it, right? Like if you hold like gold ETF, well then you're hoping the economy mainly stays pretty good and you can trade and sell your ETF for dollars later. But if you really are worried, uh, if you don't hold the gold, then someone else is holding it. And if the shit hit, really hits the fan and you're like, okay, um, I'm going to need this gold because the dollar's really inflating. They might be like, yeah, there's no police anymore, so screw you. It's our gold. You know what I mean? you got to be careful. So then the alternative would be to buy a bunch of gold and keep it in your house. But then, you know what I mean? Gold in your house. I mean, Bitcoin, you got to worry about the, the private keys and your seed and remembering all that stuff. But gold is its own problem, right? And like if the housekeeper finds a bunch of gold in the closet, I mean, it's, it's not a good, it's not really, I don't know. I, a real man keeps a lot of gold. Uh, in his house, obviously. <laughs> Who um, doesn't? Guns, gold, and, and ice. Um, but so, some <clears throat> narcotics, maybe, you know, if he needs to make a quick buck on the, you know, in a hurry. 
but yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a whole custody issue. But yeah, I, it's it's a legitimate store of value. I do think it, it's facing competition from Bitcoin, but yeah, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Yeah, well, that's the other that's the other major hedge, right? Is is Bitcoin and gold that they're sort of similar assets? Yeah, uh, yeah. How, how, what are you thinking these days on on it? It's uh, I see it, it's it's doing pretty well. Yeah, it, it jumped up and then back down briefly. Yeah, it went up to like almost fourteen thousand. Now it's like at eleven four as we're talking. And as I said in that other podcast, like I think the smartest way to, if you're interested, is to do a lot of research on your own, and then once you decide that, if you decide that you are interested in taking on the responsibility of it and understand what you're getting into just by X a day, whatever X is for you, whether it's a buck or a hundred bucks and just start averaging in. And because it is crazy volatile, you don't want to just like buy your Bitcoin when it's at 14 and the next day it's 11. You know, you want to, if it goes down, then you're getting it cheaper. If it goes up, then the stuff you already owned is appreciating. So I think that's the ideal way to do it. If, if you, again, do your own research, the guy, the guy I would Google is Andreas Antonopoulos. He's very good. And then once you get on that rabbit hole and start searching for guys on Twitter, um, you'll, you'll be able to do enough research to understand it well enough to make a decision. I need to uh, bug you about teaching me about how to use the ledger too, because I have one now. I own one. So I need to, or maybe it's self-explanatory, but, uh, but one way that I need to figure out how to transfer all my stuff to that. Yeah. All right. That's good. Um, good for you. Yeah, thank you. Anyway, um, one thing I will say, and I don't care about this this aspect, but it's uh, I will say, yeah, Kim Jong Un. You know, he showed up to that meeting at the DMZ in a Rolls right. Royce, this, despite sanctions to sell North Korea. They're like they're like prohibited to the sell of like luxury goods, luxury goods, and like automobiles to their to the government. So it's just so funny that guy's so dude, flamboyant shows up <laughs> in dude, the double R. Murderous, if you're a murderous <laughs> dictator, if you're a murderous dictator. I mean, yeah. you may as well have a Rolls Royce. I mean, it's like, oh, I draw the line at the Rolls Royce. You know, I'll kill some of these people. I'll starve them, whatever I'm, I'm, I have to do to maintain power. But now I'm going to have a more modest car. It would be unseemly for me to have a nice car. Totally. Oh, right, well, move on from politics. I just want to say we live in some pretty wild times right now. I mean, Donald Trump set up this meeting at the DMZ by tweeting to Kim Jong-un. And without, like most of his people knowing much notice... Um, he's telling Putin not to meddle in the next election on TV as a LOL, you know, just a joke. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get carried away about the joke. People are like, when he had the joke, Russia, if you're listening, when he was talking about her emails, like people are just, oh my God, that's treason. Like that's, come on, man. You know, you can't, right. don't be, yeah. yeah. And you know, but Nate Silver, Nate Putin, Silver who's basically meddle. like Mr. Establishment politics guy, like he was like, Russia, Russian interference is like, re, like not even the top 100 reasons that Hillary lost the election. And he was a Hillary, you know, he definitely wanted Hillary to beat Trump. He's not like, you know, he's not, he doesn't like Trump. He didn't like Bernie, especially. I would, I'd bet anything that Nate Silver voted for Hillary, but he said that Russian interference was not in the top 100 reasons why Trump won. And to me, it's, it's like obvious. There was like 100 grand spent on Facebook. The, this is like the dumbest hoax and fraud give it up that's not what happened it's got nothing to do with it putin may be a terrible person i don't think our media is very you know we we have no idea because their media just wants to foment conflict with russia which is the dumbest thing ever but maybe putin is truly a horrible person but we don't even know and that shit has nothing to do with our elections now obviously we should secure our elections from being actually hacked i don't mean like facebook buys that that's nothing 
but we should actually secure our elections from being hacked. You know, Google has like a responsibility, like a Veritas project, which is very sketchy and dangerous, where they're going to be able to manipulate search results to prevent another Trump, so to speak. And they should not be trusted because yeah. the people at Google are not in the arbiters of our democracy. Like that is not. Yeah, they've been caught on. Yeah, I saw Google, someone high up caught on camera saying that. Yeah, literally saying we can, we're not allowing another Trump situation. Right. And that's really dangerous because you are not the, you know, you are not the arbiters of that. Yeah, right. You, it's not up to you to say. And you may not like Trump and you may have many good reasons not to like him, but it is not up to you. So to me, Google is the danger, not Russia. I mean, if you want to talk about election security, that's the, Facebook, Google have way too much power. They're not elected by anybody. And they've done all this horrible stuff already in terms of what they've done with your data. Those companies are, there should be a lot more focus on them. No, no doubt. It is, yeah, no Russian, Russia stuff led to misplaced resources to say the least. But it was surreal seeing Trump uh, literally look at Putin and say, don't meddle in the next election and laugh. Like, so, was just, yeah. and, and, well, and, and Twitter is... It's kind of a great thing because he can just bypass all those asshole careerists who are in the government who are, a lot of them are up to no good, right? A lot of these people are warmongers. A lot of these people are connected in the defense industry with the banking industry and they give advice um, and they move up the ladder. Twitter just bypass all those people. I mean, there's something to be said about that and bypass the press that's going to distort and craft what's being said when you when you need the press to get your message out you're beholden to a bunch of craven careerists that you know are they really interested in, in getting the the news out or do they have agendas that are paid for by their bo corporate bosses yeah and trump utilizes that twitter resource quite well he does very very good job of it all right man um Entertainment stuff. Uh, I finally caught uh, Deadwood, the movie. I have one of my three favorite dramas ever, and I'm very happy with how they wrapped that you liked up. You like Deadwood uh, that much back then? Unexpectedly. Really liked oh, yeah, man. Oh, no, I didn't watch it when it was first on, but I, I, I watched Okay, I watched it. I caught up when it was on and when it was airing its final third season. Yeah, man, written in iambic pentameter. I'm not even a, a Western guy, but, I mean, Al Swearingen's arguably the most entertaining character on TV. Yeah, it's a super smart show. Very. I, I'm not even a Western guy, but I... I really enjoyed it. Yes. I watched like two seasons of it and it was, you know, it came out a long time ago when like the classic shows were out, like the wire and the Sopranos. I mean, it was old. And I remember being like, this is okay. And then Heather told me that people said that it was ahead of its time. And that if I had watched it now, I might think it was like a great, great show. But at the time I remember thinking like, this is like watchable, but I didn't really look forward to it. It was just that it was one of the five shows on TV. It was like Dexter and, Deadwood, you know, we're like, you didn't have that many choices, so you just watch the ones that were on. So, other than this movie, I haven't really revisited it in quite a long time, too. So, I can't promise you that because I, I was watching it like, yeah, when it was airing, so at least toward the end. So, um, I loved it, and I remember loving it, and it was one of my favorite shows. Uh, and the movie, I thought they did did a good job, which was very tough because Milch even has Alzheimer's while he was writing this, so that was a, a, a tough thing to come back uh, ten years later. So. I did enjoy that, and then music, I don't talk much about that, but Tom York released his uh, solo album, and the Black Keys released an album for the first time in like five years, and both of those uh, I enjoy. And uh, Do you have anything else, list before we wrap this up? And I wanted to ask you, before I forget, is for a tax update on you. I want to know where you're living in the future. All right, so I don't have anything else. There's probably something that I forgot. 
well, I'm not going to get back into the airport rant because I've done that so many times already. Uh, the dehumanizing way that you're treated at an airport, just waiting for somebody to let you off the bus or let you off the plane and let you do this and waiting online. Like, there's something about it that's just so distasteful to me. Like, the whole idea of like waiting for the person in uniform to allow you to go. It's just, it just makes my blood boil. Like, I'm just like, this is such fucking bullshit. I don't know what it is. I just can't, especially when you're, when it's delayed and you're sitting there and you're standing around, it's hot and you're like, the fuck, you know, but I won't go into the full rant, but I'll just say I had that experience. <laughs> but, uh, what the hell are you asking me about? Oh, my tax thing. It's still pending. I, this shit's just like for, I check the website like three times a day and it's like pending. So we'll see. So we're going to be in Portugal, we're coming back to Portugal next fall. When I, the reason we're not doing the podcast, as I said in the beginning, I'm going to be in France for eight days in three different places. It should be really nice. nice. And, uh, then we're flying from Paris to LA and then going to Colorado on a camping trip and then uh, back to LA for three more weeks and then back to Lisbon. So that's the plan. Cool, man. Have fun at the wedding. All right, man. Have a good time in Vegas. Go get uh, Saquon and Daryl Henderson. How about that? Yeah, I'm definitely getting Henderson. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll be missed list and uh, good time. Talk to you later, man. All right, All right man. Take it easy.